everybody, welcome to Media Monsters. Um, That's a Media Monster right there. <laughs> Starting um, a podcast like that. Hello, welcome, welcome to our end of the year review in February. So this episode, since it's, I'm, I'm hoping to get it out like on the 12th, so it'll be a month before the Oscars happen, even though the Oscars are stupid and I don't like them. Yeah, we're way ahead of the Oscars, we're killing but, it, dude. But I thought this would be fun to do. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of good stuff came out this year. I liked a lot of stuff. Good year. Out. A lot of good year for movies for sure. A lot of four and a halfs from from my from my list. So like that's that's a good. That's a good Any year. tens? Uh, I have three five star films. One of them is not really a five star film, but I gave it an extra star because they did something. Interesting. Okay. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. I think I think I only have like one wholehearted uh five out of five and it's not even really a movie it was a tv series but dang is it no we'll we'll get to it well we'll um, get it it'll be in my honorable mentions i'll focus on the films all right so uh who do i have with me i have my dear friend Rhett hip and my other dear friend reese bobo uh have, number uh, one have... number one media monster fan reese bobo <laughs> number one media monster fan spotify uh says so have i been on the podcast since we became roommates uh i don't I think, think I so yeah so me and red are roommates now Woohoo! in the great city of los angeles we get to we get to talk movies in movie town all right let's get down to it do we want to start with honorable mentions and then yeah and like then can we just do like a quick like rapid fire oh yeah we can do um, that absolutely I, you know what i'm gonna do my honorable mentions real yeah, quick just because ahead. there are wait, two wait, movies we... okay wait do we want to do <laughs> honorable mentions first or do we want to do bottom five first we could get the bottom five out of the way <laughs> okay start with the stinkers and then go to the stuff we like right. i'm fine with that so dishonorable mentions really quick uh blonde and terrifier 2 terrifier 2 good gore way too long not really that good of an actual movie blonde great performance by end of the armas she's she's putting her 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 whole whole thing into it but it's just not i don't i don't really like it what it's saying to me or or anything else about it but she's she's good just bad movie bad movie there um quickly quickly bottom five thor uh thor four thor four sucked i really didn't like thor four uh and this is coming from the marvel man just bad bodies 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 i know people like this one um I didn't. It was like it was too geared towards like people I know, and that made me just hate it. <laughs> Number three, Morbius. Actually, not the worst movie that came out this year, but it's pretty bad. Sitting through it is kind of like detention. Number two, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just why, why God? Feeling more, lucky because I just haven't seen any of these. <laughs> more, more horror that's just absolutely god awful. Number one, Jurassic World Dominion. This movie is like going to your favorite restaurant and the chef spits in your food. That's that's <laughs> what the feeling of watching Jurassic World Dominion is. So, yeah. Yeah, that should... That's good. Did Jeff Goldblum at least have like one good line? It's kind of um, funny. He Yeah, he did, he did a silly delivery here and there, but it wasn't enough to save the movie at all in the slightest. It's good. What about you guys? What do you hate this year? <laughs> Uh, Reese, you want to go next? Yeah, I mean, like, I try not to see movies that I know I won't like, so I didn't even catch any of those, but, so my 
lower movies might be worse, better than you'll. I mean, my number one hated movie this year was Avatar Two, mm -hmm. but it's kind of on me. I know I'm not. I feel like I'm not a real media monster, but. I just didn't really expect it to be as Avatar as it was, and I just was offended by all the creative choices, and I hated the high frame rate, and it took so long to get to the action, and then when it got to the action, the action was boring, and I hate Jake Soley, and I'm still sick with spider fever. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm well, I saw Top Gun we'll, 2. We'll come around to uh, <laughs> Yeah, Avatar I just want to keep moving before... <laughs> I get caught on Avatar, <laughs> but I saw Top Gun Maverick, which I think we have to mention as a media monster fan. I know you have to mention that every show that if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you've seen it or not. Top Gun Maverick, again, it's like, I don't like Top Gun, so I don't know what I was expecting, but this has an amazing, phenomenal ending action set piece. And then like, I hated the movie part of it. So... I, I know what you mean. I still got, like, gripped by it, but, like, it's a very boring, like, normal movie. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, there's so many scenes at the beginning where it's, like, and then he's at the bar and he sees the guy and then they're singing and then they're going back from the bar and I'm, like, I want planes. <laughs> um, and then the, the only bad thing I'll throw in there, uh, the last thing real quick is... The very, like, the first 30 seconds of the Buzz Lightyear movie was, <laughs> like, the most uh, offensive thing. Like, you're talking about who it's made for, and it's just like, this is made for dumb, idiot children, you understand? Um, <laughs> oh, and then before Duran gets here, if Duran comes, I didn't like Ambulance. I thought Ambulance was bad. But yeah. <laughs> well, I understand Michael is, Bay's an auteur. It is a Michael so. Bay movie, yeah. It's... Yeah. Michael Bay is so interesting. If you've never seen Patrick Willem's video on on his movies, it's it's really good and kind of explains the yeah. ethos of them really well. And like after the Patrick Willem's video, I'm like, was Ambulance good? Like, am I dumb? I think he he's, he's a defender, it right? Well. He put a video out on it. Yeah, he, he had some video about why it was great, and I'm like, maybe I need to rewatch it. But um, there's cool drone shots. There's a really <laughs> cool behind the scenes. Like, I think he's. Uh, the behind-the-scenes of Michael Bay movies are almost more entertaining than his films, but yeah. I'll see his next one and not like it. <laughs> uh, it's, I wonder what he's working on next. Do you think he's just going to go on a string of, like, random movies? I think so. I don't like, know. The last I hope thing he, he does did was, do like, Six Underground. Yeah, I think he's yeah. done with franchises. I don't think he... I think He got Ambulance sucked into doing five Transformers movies, and he, he was like, no, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a pain and gain over like a Transformers Absolutely. Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Is that is that your That's uh, it. That's all my mentions? bad stuff. Yeah, all I right. just you know, and those are probably my hottest takes also. So yeah. that it's all all good. I can enjoy being a media monster now. Yeah, get the hot takes out of the way so anyone who's going to stop watching because of your your hot takes is already out of the door. They're already out the way. Yeah. <laughs> Rhett, uh, what, uh, what'd you hate this year? First, I'm gonna say that I, I actually kind of enjoyed Terrifier 2. It definitely wasn't great, but I thought it, it, it thoroughly is what it is, and for that, I can kind of commend it, for better or worse. It's not getting any higher than, like, a 3 out of 5 for me, but, you know, good gore. Um, lighting team gets a chef's kiss. <laughs> Coming in at number 5 is, uh, every Marvel movie released this year at its high. <laughs> 
Um, they were all equally mid and boring. I'd say that maybe, if anything, I enjoyed Thor a little bit more just because it was, like, at least going in the direction of stupid fun. I don't even understand why people enjoy Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It wasn't a cameo movie. It wasn't a fun, funny, rainy movie. It wasn't cheesy. It was simply just boring. You're pretty wrong about some of those statements, but I'll let you go ahead. Um, no, it was simply just boring. You literally call it the multiverse of madness, and they go to, like, two universes other than, like, a quick montage All right, of, like, call it Doctor Strange versus the Evil Dead and move on with your life, then. Please. I'm... Maybe, maybe Evil Dead 1. Have we had... Have we... Did we do the multiverse of madness discourse on the podcast? I don't know if we did. I don't think we did, which is why I wanted to say it now. I... I didn't... You know, I didn't see it. I've checked out from Marvel, so... I fundamentally disagree with that, that statement. I think it's it's a fun time. There's some bad writing, for sure. There's some bad CGI, for sure, but, like... You have I was wizards. I was thoroughly enjoying myself the you whole have, time. Unlike Thor Four, you have two wizards fighting, and you decide to take away their magic and just have them do a karate fight where they're handcuffed. He's also other. good I'm at sorry. that. That's a part of the comics. He's also a fucking martial care. arts Wait, guy. Did you see the first Doctor Strange movie? It's like that. Like it wasn't a great movie, but at least the effects and the like trippy. There were still wizard like, fights. I don't know what you want. It did I, look I, like there was cool CG wizard only, fight. Only wanted wizard fights. Yeah, I only want... What the fuck? I'm going to a Doctor Strange movie. What do I want other than cool wizard fights? I want him doing karate? My bad. And then uh, Wakanda Forever was, was mid. I don't know. It was a movie that existed, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was a movie that... Rest in peace, Chadwick, but that movie Yeah, was tough mid. position. Don't envy... Yeah, having to make that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I really don't envy anyone in the crowd for that. They were probably doing their best job. No, no hate to any of the the cast or crew of that movie, unless you're an anti vaxxer Um, but, uh, <laughs> so the star. Yeah, and uh, okay, so coming in at number four, spend a little too long on Marvel. Uh, Jurassic World. I thought it was really funny and stupid, but that's because if if we're going with Nick's metaphor of someone spitting in your food, that felt more like watching a cook spit in someone who i didn't like's food not that i don't necessarily dislike jurassic park fans it's just more like i was kind of felt like i was at a remove from it so i wasn't like personally offended seeing them shit on the legacy of jurassic park so i thought it was like one of the best comedies of the summer but still also the fourth worst movie i saw this year number three probably gonna gonna give that to to blonde um there were some interesting choices made there there were choices there was production value there was a great performance by Ana de Armas and a role she deserved much better than but not not a not a good movie and would not recommend to most people is this just like a it's just a bad story or it Go go watch Firewalk with me go watch Twin Peaks Firewalk with me I don't know it's the the reason that movie is bad is kind of like hard to say because it's it's, it's just kind of failing at doing like prestige drama. It's okay, is is I guess drama. like the it's way funny because it. it's just the movie to me looks like it's just Anna de Armas, who's gorgeous, and you guys are always like, "Well, Anna de Armas is good." It's like, well, what else is the movie? It, no, no, it's <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's it's the, the things thing she's saying, kind of but she's porn. saying them pretty well. <laughs> it's like the the big thing is that it's just kind of torture porn and it's also not factual to the actual life of marilyn monroe and it's kind of just exploiting her legacy mm. for like oh look at this woman suffer and it's not really saying anything also it's a weirdly pro-life 
movie. So <laughs> yeah, funny. Way too many abortion camps. Uh, th- and I I mean that sincerely. When there there is fetus. Camp. There were three. There were, there were three three, three instances camp. of fetus cam. And one was more than enough. Okay, then I think this is coming in at number two. Was a violent night. I was really expecting something dumb and a dumb. Oh, you fun saw that? Movie. I didn't get a chance. I, I did just because I wanted like every year we each pick like one Christmas movie to watch at the holidays, and I was fun. like, I was like, it was between violent Spirited night. and Violent Night. <laughs> yes, it was just a like shitty combination of Home Alone and Die Hard. And as much as I'm down for like beefy Nordic Santa Claus played by David Harbor. David Harbor, yeah, I'm sorry, David Harbor, for forgetting your name. Please forgive me. He was, um, listen, he has worse things to apologize for. Yeah, I'd watch Hellboy. out, man. He might not forgive you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It was, there was just, like, a fundamental, like, it just wasn't that interesting. The action wasn't that good. Joe, Joe really didn't like that movie. It's a shame. It's a good premise. It's, you it know, I, I wanted to premise. see it, but, I, yeah, I didn't hear anything good little little microcosm of it's like there was like a kind of interesting action scene where he was fighting a bunch of people with a hammer but it was in like a basement and it was lit lit with like these really boring like dark shadows and like blue tones and i'm like if you're gonna do this like at least make it give it some fun lighting like do christmas lights like come on like what why am i looking at just this dull blue mess of like nothing in a christmas movie and then coming in at number one the texas chainsaw massacre netflix uh I don't think it's as bad as some people say it is. Some people are like, this is literally the worst piece of garbage I've ever seen. It's fucking terrible. Um, I mean, like, as a (laughs) franchise entry, it might be one of the worst things I've ever seen. As a franchise entry, maybe. It's it's dull, it's ham-fisted, it's all sorts of things, but hey, at least the gore is like, eh? The original's not dated, the original's great. Oh, oh original, yeah, no, the, the original is still one of the greatest horror movies ever made. That yeah. was the last movie I watched for the year, and it was it was a good way to ring out the year. Yeah. Okay, now we can get to what we're actually Good movies. <laughs> all right, now we get to talk about good things, including... Massive stinkers. All right, should we do honorable mentions first? We good with yeah, that? Yeah, we can do honorable mentions. Yeah, right, do those so quick. I got Jackass Forever. Go, nice. go, go to the theater with your boys to see... Some men get punched in the balls. <laughs> what what more sick. do you need from what a bunch of jackasses? Emily the criminal. Very very nice yeah, little that drama one. that uh got kind of like shuffled into the rest of the releases of the year. Maybe you didn't see it. It was on HBO Max. It was it was good. Yeah, I missed it. I'll have to check that out now. It didn't need to like be anywhere. Like I I didn't need any bigger box office than it got. I just hope it gets it, Aubrey Plaza some more like yeah. good dramatic roles in addition to what she is doing in White Lotus and shit. Yeah. No, I think this is just another like I I'm this is me just cheering on Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> yeah. You go girl. Um <laughs> Uh speaking of you go girl, uh the menu. Um and Anya Taylor-Joy, you go girl. Um fun movie. Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed the menu. I didn't like love it like some people did. I my parents like Yeah. My that parents went went crazy over the menu. That one's going to be in my top 10. That's the one like Eat the Rich film from this year that I'm like, yeah, I can I can maybe get behind that one in my top 10. Fair enough. No, but I thought it was I thought it was really good the three leads uh Anya, Nicholas and uh Rafe were were fantastic, so it's good. There's nothing scarier than going to a fancy restaurant 
and the movie really captures it. So. <laughs> also got Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, animation good. <laughs> what what more can I say about Puss in Boots nowadays? Because everybody's just like, this is the greatest. Death is the greatest villain of all time now. <laughs> We've all we've all decided. I'm very excited to see it. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I had a friend who described it as like a cartoon version of the Seventh Seal meets Stalker, and I'm like, "Fuck, you're right." <laughs> I I do like that they have this this journey of this character being like, maybe you're a grizzled old man who 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 needs to retire in this film for children, <laughs> the yeah. people who need to hear that message the most. <laughs> And then lastly, Crimes of the Future just nearly beat out of my top 10. David Cronenberg's back, baby. You go listen to the, the podcast me and Duran did on it. That'll, that'll tell you more than enough. That movie is amazing and weird and scary and creepy and just, just amazing. I just saw a TikTok ad the other day that was like uh, David Cronenberg like dripped out for St. Laurent and I'm like, oh my God, he's back, baby. Yo, he's... Boy, oh boy, is he back. All right, boys, let's hear some honorable mentions, if you have it. Uh, yeah, I got two, and they're not even from this year. I have two 2021 movies that would be on my top ten that I saw this year that came out at the very end of last year, so I'm just going to do them as honorable mentions real quick. The first is The Worst Person in the World, which nice. 2021 movie, saw it this year, and phenomenal phenomenal writing i really like the filmmaking and performances and it's just a good coming of age movie if you're kind of on that millennial gen z generation that i don't think a lot of contemporary movies have done relationships in that kind of way yet so i thought it was really refreshing and good and kind of caught me off guard from the start and then the other movie was red rocket sean baker's new film the guy who did florida project and I liked it more I than Florida Project. That. So it was it's really good. Super good. Yeah. It's like about a sleazy ex porn star who's hassling people for money and he meets like a uh, he has like a seventeen year old girlfriend or something. Yeah, right? yeah. He like hits on this girl who's like way too young from the donut donut shop and he's like incredibly charismatic and like fun to watch. But you're just like knowing shit's going to go downhill, kind of yeah. like an uncut gyms or like a good time, like very much falls in that vein. Nice. For like, I just loved it. So it would have yeah, been the best was... movie of this year if it came out this year. But when it goes to streaming, just check it out. It's it's worth the watch. Yeah, that's all I, I got. Too. Rhett, do you have any honorable mentions? Smile, I actually thought that was mm -hmm. way better than Barbarian. And for a new IP kind of horror movie, I thought it had, like, some interesting messages and, like, an interesting way of portraying, like, psychosis. It was far from a perfect movie, definitely not in my top ten, but certainly an interesting watch for what it was. And then uh, I will just quickly name drop Skinnamarink, because that's technically a 2022 movie. Skinnamarink's really, really good. Go check it out. Uh, either watch it on a Unless you hate abstract stuff, because... Yeah. Either watch it on a computer where you can get close to the screen and see all the detail or watch it on the biggest screen you can find. And then two non-film things that I kind of want to throw in there are The Viewing, which is from uh, Guillermo del Toro's, I think it's Netflix? Cabinet of Curiosities, I think Cabinet it's called. Cabinet of Curiosities, yeah. The, by his the, the episode by Panos Cosmatos. Yeah, the director of Mandy. That yeah. was... Great, great effects. Very just weird kind of horror tone. Anthology Eric show. Andre in there and a bit of RoboCop. 
Eric Andre, bit of Robocop, that, that one girl who was crawling on the floor in that one episode of Twin Peaks Season 3. The uh, uh, Sophia Butella. Got yeah. everybody in here. No, we got every, everyone you need in there, and they're in a conversation pit and uh, doing some space code. How many episodes like, is it? It's Well, that one's just one. I think the whole thing's nine, but that that's just one episode. That's the standout one, yeah. And then my last honorable mention is the actual best thing I watched this year. It's just not a movie, but it's called The Heike Story. It is an anime TV series by director Yamada Naoko, the greatest working director right now, unless David Lynch gets back to work. It is the slightly true, slightly mythological, classical Japanese uh, story, probably most akin to something like the story of the Trojan War in Western mythos. It's about the downfall of this one warrior clan, and it's got a lot of very interesting Buddhist themes and beautiful animation. How long is it? Where can you find it? You can find it on Crunchyroll. It's, I think, 11 episodes. Very good. Uh, It's It's a miniseries, or...? It's just a one-season thing. You're in for that. You're not getting any more. 253 cool. minutes total. Time to get down to the top tens, boys. How are we real feeling? business. All right. Excited. Uh, I got a tight ten. We'll, we'll begin with uh, number ten. So for me, that is Prey. Prey is like something nice. you probably forgot came out this year. But um, I I love the Predator movies, and I think this might be the best Predator movie since the original. So it's it's kind of hard for me to leave this one out. Oh, yeah. That one I might agree with that. I think it, it shows a very promising future for that kind of horror movie niche on Hulu, which I'm excited about because I know that they're doing an alien movie there. So I'm. Who does some good movies and shows and stuff? Yeah, no, they do. That, that was people, the other people film I wanted. Sleep, sleep on Hulu. That was the other film I wanted to mention was Hellraiser. I remember really liking Hellraiser. I don't remember why I really liked Hellraiser, but I remember I was like. Kind of the similar with Skin and Marink. It was like, it just does itself very well. Yeah. Dan um, Trachtenberg, yeah, who made 10 Cloverfield Lane, made this really good. What were you going to say? Makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying Prey is really good. I think the action and the tension was super solid. It's pretty short, too. Like, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah. And it does its concept just, like, really well. It's like, hey, what if, you know... Predator in 1700. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, if that, you like the that's premise, you'll like the movie. movie. It's pretty watchable, yeah. Love what the, about you the boys? With the tomahawk. What's your number 10? My number 10 is a little out- movie called The Outfit. And the Outfit? What's the Outfit. I don't that? have it pulled up on IMDb, so I couldn't tell you who directed it or what. But um, it's a first-time director, and it's just a little three-room spy movie. It reminds me much of something like Rope. Um, Ooh, Mark but Rollins. yeah, yeah, it's got a really good cast and it's just a super tight thriller where, you know, you keep thinking the scene's going to end and it just pulls and pulls and pulls and gets more and more suspenseful. And then it has a really tidy ending really reminds me of something like Reservoir Dogs and it kind of had no right to be as good as it was. And, um, if you like movies that are made cheap, like you can tell it's made cheap, um, like you'll appreciate it and just look out for that director in the future, whatever his name is. I already forget. Graham Moore. It's thank you. Um, yeah, I think it was, um, I forget. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher what else the guy did, but, um, or he was a writer. He wrote the imitation game and stuff. Oh yeah. That's all I have to say. I think it's on Amazon prime or something, but check it out. If if you like, uh, kind of thrillers like that. Nice. I, 
This totally passed me by. I didn't hear about this at all. Yeah, it barely made my number 10, but uh, I saw it at the end of the year, and it was, it was real, real nice. Good cinematography, too. Nice. Rhett, what's your number 10? I think my number 10, it, it might have been Hellraiser, but since I can't articulate why I liked that movie, I'm going to say it's Crimes of the Future, because I can't articulate what I did and didn't like about that movie, and it's kind of very much the same reason I like that. Cronenberg is back. It feels like a less weird movie for him, but then that makes it weird because it's not the Cronenberg you're expecting. It's a lot more judicious about like where to use this sort of weird body horror and not as in your face as something like The Fly. I think it's well, it's it's most apparent with like the aesthetics of the set design. I think more than anything else, kind of yeah. the costumes too, because Vigo's very like is this weird like hooded look to him where he, he almost looks like a jedi in disguise <laughs> there are a lot of choices made in that movie and i think i i can stand by them and i'm that i'm interested that cronenberg made them but i don't know if i myself like them yeah i still gotta get around to it it's it's definitely worth it because i think this might lead to more cronenberg which will be interesting to see kind of like if He's this back, is baby. the jumping off point like where does he go from here it's interesting that he and his son are kind of making movies concurrently. Yeah, that, I know. I, I know I you said that they're they're they have two kind of different viewpoints on the same subject matter. This is what I've heard. I haven't seen any Brandon Cronenberg movies. Yeah, I haven't seen Infinity Pool yet. I don't remember much about Possessor, but I thought it was all right. On to number nines, then. My number nine was Tar. Tar was was really good. Kate Blanchett just. Working her ass off, but so was Todd Field. Um, hard to say anything really mean about this. It's just an interesting movie that sparks a lot of interesting conversation about the modern world and cancellation and, you know, legacy and, and what we think makes an artist. Also, yeah. the the, intele the intellectualization of art, like, versus, you know, actually, like, feeling it. Yeah, I have this movie a bit higher up in my list, but it is... Like when Kate Blanchett is perf like actually performing the orchestra, like you can just feel how full of shit she is. Like there's just so <laughs> many little subtle performance things, which just yeah, it's it's, really, it's a really great movie to watch. It's really her idiosyncrasies for the character that like just kind of make the movie probably even watchable for me. Because if it wasn't someone like her handling that character, I almost just wouldn't have cared about the movie probably for most of the <laughs> well this movie probably like only would have also worked with maybe tilda swinton that's the only other person i think could maybe fill this role it needs a heavy hitter yeah but like, there's yeah, a scene I mean... where she is just alone and she in her house and she just turns around quick like she thinks something's behind her and it's just so good. It's just like, it's just that one, like, her alone in her room wins her an Oscar, just saying nothing. It's so good. I love that she gets canceled via YTP. <laughs> if, if you want to, if you want to know, like, what a masterclass performance looks like, oh, check yeah. out Kate Blanchett in Tar. She was definitely a woman in trouble. <laughs> she... She was in a lot of trouble by the end. Right. Fun, fun fact about the end was, um... I was I was pretty clear on that the end spoilers for Tar, but that you know she's kind of relegated to performing these video game cover concerts at conventions or something like that. So she's doing like a Monster Hunter 
concert and everyone in the audience is in monster hunter cosplay or whatever but my mom didn't get that it was like a convention she thought it was a cult <laughs> so not, I not that quite that funny. not not quite that 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 was probably my only nitpick about the um the ending was that like everyone there was in like immaculate cosplay and i'm like no you've never been to a convention like yeah it would be every it would be every like fifth person (laughs) every fifth person would be in immaculate cosplay and then there would be a lot of people who are just there just dressed normally and then there would be a lot of people in like shitty cosplay but they're enjoying themselves if if we're talking to our spoilers i just want to say i love how much the movie makes you think it's going to be whiplash like, even the scene where she's, like, barging back on and they, like, take her off, you're like, is she about to perform the best concert in the world? <laughs> but she doesn't learn her lesson at all. No. <laughs> Rhett, Rhett, did you say your number nine? I did not. Um, Par is my number eight, so that might save us some time. Uh, number <laughs> okay. nine is uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Um, Fair I enough. Very, I am very cage-pilled, and if you're not cage-pilled, why are you not? And this is essential viewing for any of the cage-pilled. It's just a great little ode to his career, and I really like how, even though he is the star, like 100%, you know, they, they give Pedro Pascal just as much room to work as him, so it never feels like Pedro Pascal was just treated as like, okay, okay, yeah, but stop acting to let, like, Nicolas Cage shine. Like, he's he's right there no, with the him. The two of them shine, which is really nice. The bromance yeah. they have is so... Touching. It's so good. It's so. I, good. I almost wish it didn't go into the action stuff later because that I. That's my one. That's my one gripe with the movie is that like the the, like oh, but we also have to have the the boring action bits that aren't as good, but it's like but they're also just boring action bits that aren't as good as the rest of the movie. Yeah, that was my main crit- criticism. I know it's an ode to Cage's career, and, like, action is a part of his career, you know, talking about, like, Con Air and stuff like that. But, yeah, it just, like... It didn't like, know this... its own strengths, even yeah. even though it kind of did. It just didn't know them enough, I guess. It, it was very... self-aware enough, and, it, 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 you know, it's, yeah. pat, it's good, but... But, yeah, just, just like, the scene where they're just, like, tripping on LSD and just, like, running around the town. Like, come on. That's so much fun. The the wall bit where they... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Just, I totally forgot about a, that. It's just a hole in the wall to the side of them. Oh, my God. I, uh... I, I finished my, my last exam and then double featured that with Everything Everywhere, which I imagine we'll talk about that later. But, Interesting. Um, that yeah. Was, that was a very good, like, afternoon. That's a good time. Oh, my God. Does I I just want to know ahead of time. Does anyone have everywhere at everything everywhere all at once on their list? Yes. Because I don't. Oof. We'll talk <laughs> about it when Red brings it up then. But Reese, what was your number three? Yeah, my number nine is or see how they nine. run. Uh, oh yeah, how was that? Yeah, you, you were it's like on the HBO. only person I know who saw it. It was fun. It was it was playing at you know theater one screen theater near my house and. I was like, what is this movie? Checked out the trailer, saw the first 30 seconds of the trailer. I'm like, I'll check it out. And it's a fun, cutesy whodunit. It's very much self-aware, like in the style of Wes Anderson or kind of indie movie kind of world in that style, tongue-in-cheek. And if you like Knives Out or, you know, a charming whodunit, this is totally it. Like, this is totally does it. It's laugh-out-loud funny in a lot of parts. Um, and Sam Rockwell plays a really 
hilarious like drunken detective <laughs> and there's a lot of witty fast dialogue and there's a lot of good moments where there's just scenes with witty fast dialogue and you just see sam rockwell's drunken face like processing it and like putting <laughs> the mystery together and it's just fun performances all around so if you like a whodunit see how they run it's on hbo max it's just it's so non-offensive it's very fun I remember seeing that and seeing like, uh, like thinking like, yeah, Reese. I, well, I didn't watch the movie, but seeing like some info about it and being like, yeah, this seems like a Reese movie. I think I would like it too, but no, totally. I didn't see it was just because like kind of some of the visuals and like stuff I was hearing about it just kind of blurred together with Amsterdam for me, and I didn't mm. want to see Amsterdam. So fair, <laughs> oh, totally fair. It does look similar, bro. I but totally it is forgot not Amsterdam similar. exists. <laughs> I know, I did too, until I looked at the poster for see how Can we they throw run. that in honorable stinker mentions? Oh my um, god, I didn't see it, so I... <laughs> I didn't see it, so I can't have an opinion. The yet. funny thing about Amsterdam is drink every time an incredibly famous person you didn't know is in the movie shows up. That's the <laughs> drinking game for Amsterdam. Oh my god. Doesn't Taylor Swift get run over by a car in that movie? <laughs> that's part, that's the best oh part. Oh my god. Oh... That's, like, the only thing I know about that movie. <laughs> you, you don't need to see it now. You know the only good thing. All right. On to number eight. Uh, I had Triple R for my number eight. Um, I saw it, like, twice, even though it's three hours. I love this movie. It's just, like, it's an anime in real life about, like, India. And it's just, it's it's so, it's so good. It's the greatest bromance yep. movie of all time. I know I would love it. It's just that that's a movie I need to watch with friends, and all of my friends like watched it right before I got back to town. So I, I watched it with Max in in one hour segments. Uh. Yeah, I it's it's. I think you can do a viewing where you fast forward through the boring parts. The problem is there's not that many boring parts, but yeah, I, I honestly don't even know what I would fast forward through. My my dad wanted to remove the singing. <laughs> My God, no. I'm like, bro, that's 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 the entire thing, basically. It just makes you wish they made movies like that here. Yeah, You're like why can't our movies look like that? I and wish then have I wish Marvel movies scene. suddenly had dance sequences. I feel like that was. We'll, we'll probably talk about Babylon more later, but Babylon was, I think, a little bit of a call to arms of like, hey, why don't we make movies interesting? Why are movies so boring nowadays? Kind of. Like, um, you can do so much with film, and people decide to do so little with it. Yeah. What uh? What do we have for number eights, boys? I know Tar, you said, Rhett. What yeah, about you, Tar, Reese? so we don't need to talk about that. I, I got um, George Miller's movie, 3,000 Years of Longing. Ah, I have uh, that at my number five. I really ooh, like okay, 3,000 okay. Years. Yeah, I really liked it, too. And it was a movie that I watched, and it's very maximalist at times and then very subdued at times and after i finished watching it i was like i think i kind of really dug that but i'm not sure because you know not talking about spoilers it's just it kind of has a, a weird ending and uh yeah. mm -hmm. and but the story within story elements i really liked and i saw it in theaters twice because i was like i think i really liked that and then i saw it again i'm like i think i really like that so <laughs> it's just a total fun watch it's not boring Idris Elba's great. Tilda Swinton's great. 
I just you know, like, I'm glad George Miller just chose to tell an original story. Like, I want more big budget movies that tell this type of story. It's really fun. George Miller's like visuals are just like they're so good. Like, no other movies looks like look like the movies yeah. that he makes. Like, after oh god, Furiosa is gonna be like so cool. I'm so excited for Furiosa, but. This, like, the uh, the two lead performances, Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba, were just, like, so good. It's, like, one of the, like, coolest, most interesting romance movies I've, like, ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's... like, a fun genie story, but it's also, like, just a story about divorce. Like, it's really great. Yeah. Oh, my God. I I just remember and going to the theaters. moments. And it's just, like, it was just a trip. Like, I... <laughs> yeah, and moments that make you go like, "What the fuck?" Like, lean in, you know, total yeah. trip. That's a good way to good way to describe it. Just no other no other movies like quite like this. Uh, my my letterbox review is: I wish George Miller could get more than two movies out per decade, but I'm so grateful for every time we get one. Yeah, and it's you know, I wish it did better in box office because it's an original film that he did after you know he made Mad Max, so he could make anything. And it just kind of didn't get the reception critical or yeah, financial. That was, so that was very sad. How like, you know? Yeah. I hope he's still able to make you know after Furiosa, he goes and makes another original thing and can kind of keep doing that. But yeah, you know, he's still kicking out bangers, and it's a lot of fun storytelling. And I love like the story within story. I love like the structure of it. You, the way it keeps delling out information, you keep leaning in. It's it's really fun. Really fun constantly watch. unfolding. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. it was so good, so so good. Yeah, that one didn't make it into my top ten, but like I agree with everything you guys said, and and, and I love Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba. I I literally don't know why it isn't in my top ten. It's just for some reason that one just didn't quite grab me. But yeah, and it's it's it can be a you know I forgot about it until I was kind of looking back through my letterbox and. The person I saw it with didn't really like it. Like at first they liked it, and then the more they thought about it, they're like, "That was kind of a stinker." So you know, if people don't, it doesn't kind of grip you. You know, it makes some decisions that I, I, I'm fine if, you know, take it or leave it. But it was kind of my jam. No, and that's completely fair. I like, like all the respect to Three Thousand Years and the people who like it. I yeah, just for that, it's just one. Just didn't make it. it Yeah, just didn't make it. It's it's a good year for movies. Yeah. Um. All right. Number seven. Uh. I have the Batman. I don't. I don't mm-hmm. know how everybody else feels about that, but the Batman might be my favorite Batman movie. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I I tried to watch the Dark Knight after having watched the Batman, and as soon as you get to the Bruce Wayne bits in those movies, you're like, this is the most boring thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and the Batman is just like. It's more interesting all around. Like, it is it is simply the best presentation of Batman we have had on, on screen. And I just, I think they Maybe nail that. everything about this. It, it, it's a good-looking movie. I wish all comic book movies were shot with this eye to making them look cinematically true to their comic book. Cool, unique, but, uh, actually, you know, actually nice to look at. Yeah, no, me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't totally like the Bruce Wayne segments in this in terms of, like, he wasn't Bruce Wayne. He was just always brooding sad boy. And I didn't like the ending. Hmm. Um, but, like, if this was just 
like an out if this was like a 90 minute tight thriller this would be like a freaking 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 for me yeah but that was that was the thing for me it just kind of dragged on and didn't stick it for me but there's so many like cool sequences and things i love about it that like really get me excited and this is as someone who is very checked out from superhero movies like this was a really good watch yeah, yeah i definitely enjoyed this one and i i gotta give them respect on like making riddler work and especially making riddler feel relevant um because like you guys like paul dano i did well, i well it was a yeah, little silly like... but it was like it was. i i really liked him yeah i it yeah, I think he did a great job with that character. I think, you know, despite my gripes with the length for, you know, it wasn't, like, offensive. I wasn't, like, tearing my eyes out. Like, please just let me leave the theater. Like I can, def- yeah. I can, I can definitely see the, the length thing. I mean, I was, I was engrossed the whole time, but I know that's not the experience yeah. of everyone for that movie, so. And I, I like Batman fighting 4chan or QAnon or whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> but, um. And I liked having a Batman movie that felt like it had more of a cinematographic identity to it. Yeah, I, I really, I, I liked it. It not my top ten, but I liked it. That's all right. Doesn't doesn't need to be, but love, there it love is me for me. Pattinson. Love me some Pattinson. Oh shit! I didn't include something in this list that I I, I meant to. I just realized I did that too. Oh no! <laughs> I forgot to put Avatar on here. Uh, well, it's not in my top ten, so you're not we getting that. Talked for me. about Avatar. It's, yep. it's okay, guys. We don't have to talk about Avatar this podcast. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's spiritually number one for me, actually. <laughs> okay, we. Uh, <laughs> I, mine was mine was Banshees, but I know that's like that is. I have my top I 10. have Banshees, so we'll we'll yeah, talk we'll about that coming up as well. Um, but what about number number sevens for the rest of y'all? Yeah, uh, number seven. Nope. 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 Good. That's my number six, so we can. We can okay. talk about Nope right now. Do a little Nope. Now, I love a good alien movie. I feel like we haven't had a good alien movie in a while, and this was just freaking good. And I like how Jordan Peele is putting a little bit of Spielberg into his look. Gorgeous cinematography, good writing, stuff to think on. You know, like, if this is what a blockbuster should be. It should be like Nope. It's just such a fun horror movie, and scary at times and really just gorgeous yeah i i was a little taken aback by the way that they did their aliens but i eventually came around to it i really yeah, like there's some things i, I know that i it, didn't it like turns the out first to be a, reveal i the fake out ones yeah i i, I, I like liked... when you first saw it in the sky but i love like uh. a nickel in the horse and like all that shit and then like the bug on the camera you know, like, there's so many, like, elements in the first act that build really nicely. Yeah. But, I, yeah, yeah, there's some wonky stuff I I think, I would if anything, leave. like, the, the reason it didn't make it in the top ten for me was just that I felt like the third act just dragged, like, a lot. I, mm. I didn't think the climax was all that interesting, and I felt like they were kind of throwing a lot of elements in very quickly that didn't quite do it for me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe not. I, I could see that. I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I, I really like the creature design. I didn't expect that from from Jordan Peele. Definitely, definitely one of great. the best summer movies this year, without a doubt. Yeah, it was, it was really fun, and I love the cinematographer character, like this weird camera guy creep, and you know he'd rather die than not get the shot. Not get the shot. Yeah, it's just a good character. It's just so good. 
Yeah. No, I, the the whole commentary on the film industry in that movie is just like really just like great. I'll probably like it if I more if I rewatch it. What about you boys? Number six. What are we at? Well, we didn't do my number seven. It's uh, your number seven, right? Well, didn't my number? Oh, we we did not do your number seven. I'm sorry. What was your number seven? My number seven was The Northman. You might oh. have forgotten that came out this year, but it did. Yeah, I, I kind of did. I'm not going to lie to you. That's okay. I forgot that as my number four. Okay, all right. Let's talk about The Northman. Um, I got a I testosterone think... boost for like 15 minutes after I left the theater, and then it left Yeah, I'm definitely brain, stronger after watching it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I love how like Roger Eggers goes from like one of the best like teardowns of, of toxic masculinity to like the most hyper-masculine film of all time. That's like, also still kind of a teardown of toxic masculinity. It is a little bit, but not, like, it feels like it embraces the, like, it, it doesn't overshadow, like, the faults of it, but, like, it's still, like, yeah, the entire, does a both. the entire modus operandi of that movie is just, like, big man fight guy and do strong man thing. Do revenge, yeah. and then revenge may be bad. I saw and... that with some boys, and when we walked out, we just nodded. <laughs> and it was nice to not have to explain why the movie was good. Just be like, yep, we like that. That's... We liked when he smashed the shit. We liked when he did Viking shit. Cool movie. I like when they fight by volcano. That was cool. That was, that, that was cool, dude. I like that part for sure. I liked when he smashed the guy's head in playing the game. That was another cool part. Oh, There's yeah, a lot of that... cool parts in this. Yeah. yeah. There was Defoe was doing some stuff for a little bit there, you know? And then he disappeared oh, yeah. for a lot of it most of um, it yeah i like the start like it sets it up big you know i'm like how long is he gonna be a kid and then as soon he's like i'm gonna get revenge i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna save and it's like oh fuck like we got a mission like this is motivated character i'm in this guy's moving and then there's a lot of good editing and cinematography stuff where it will just jump in time or do cool camera tricks like when it first jumps in time and it pushes in on the boat and then yeah. it pans past all these people and you're like who's it gonna be and then it pans to our to our uh, northmen and you're like it, there's just like a lot of kind of fun subtle camera tricks that are good storytelling yeah, yeah a lot of good stuff i'll be interested to see I'm, i mean i'm interested in whatever eggers does at this point so but i know he's got some some interesting yeah. stuff in the pipeline i yeah i like this Nosferatu next i think so mm. i think so then all right so we're we're back to number six uh reese rett whoever wants to chime in first did you do your six nick yeah mine was nope oh right right uh, oh my yeah because was... yours was your number seven was yeah right. that's why okay. yeah <laughs> all right i see i see what happened here it, these it's gonna get even more complicated as we go down but <laughs> yeah <laughs> number six gosh was glass onion nice. i got two whodunits on it but it just it's fun. Ryan Johnson movies, take them or leave them, but they just, he kind of just writes to some sensibilities I like to have in modern movies, like the kind of wryness of them or whatever. But also, you know, if you don't like the writing, just this is what a contemporary movie should look like. It looks so good. The costumes are so good. It's an active camera. The color grading is amazing. There's just so many things about about the production of it that I really, really enjoy. And it's just a fun ride. Yeah. No, I really it's... wanted to watch it. I was just, my family wanted to watch it together and we were all just very busy this holiday season. So it was, it was yeah. good. It was like just barely beat out of my list. I, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah. I, I can totally see that. Um, 
but I yeah, there's things I like more about the first one. There's things I like more about this one. I think, but it's just I think the another reveals were class. grander. It was it was more mm -hmm. kind of trying to take you by surprise, which I liked. But overall, I think I I enjoy the first one. More. Yeah, but this the format of the first really one good. is really clever, but it's good. It feels like another Knives Out, you know, entry. Yeah. Um, it's a it's appropriate. I will say <laughs> I don't like how Netflix named it a Knives Out. A Knives Out mystery. Movie. Yeah. Neither yeah, does Ryan Johnson, onion. so... Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like how they named the new Pinocchio, like, Guillermo del Toro's The Pinocchio. It's like, just, <laughs> just name it Pinocchio, man. Like, I don't that, movie this would not have gotten, that movie would not have gotten any attention were del Toro's name not attached to it. Yeah, yeah probably not. and what's weird is, on the credits, there's two directors. Like, it's not just your del toro and it's like is this a nightmare before christmas scenario you know but glass onion was really good and yeah if you like knives out just watch this one it's it's fun and yeah. you know some people get bothered by the commentary of it but i don't think it's too patronizing i think it's just kind of cathartic and you know you were talking about menu being the eat the rich movie that you have on your list mine's glass onion so <laughs> well yeah i was just about to say speaking about some knives being out my my uh number six is the menu I, I oh, now you're like... cooking. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, am. Hey. Uh, I mean, I'm a big sucker for a transcendental scene of Ray Fiennes uh, making a cheeseburger. So um, <laughs> Copying the ratatouille shot? A little bit, but I, you know, you know, it, it is what it is. No, um, no, 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 it's, it's, it, that was a fun homage. I just, I, I really enjoyed it. There was nothing about the, like, the, the camera work or anything like that that I thought was really good, but I thought, like, they just kept the plot moving forward i enjoyed the commentary for for what it was and the humor i also i don't i don't go to fine dining often but i've had some experiences with fine dining and that was one of the things that like the big problems i had with like what was it called triangle of sadness with that one scene of them on the boat like right before they start vomiting kind of like making fun of all the like fine dining stuff or whatever it's like yeah it it definitely like comes off as like pretentious and weird but also like if you've been to a place that like does it well, it it can be like the most delicious thing you've ever eaten, honestly. And it, like, there are a lot of places. I, th I mean, it's more of a takedown of like what the food in those places has become, where it's like the breadless bread plate being a great example of like. Yeah. We're we're at a point where food like foods yeah. and fine dining are just like fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah, or just all art in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, I th I think I, I I like that. I I think it was kind of you know it was tongue in cheek. Having you know, one of those is, like machines that creates mushroom too. foam or whatever. Yeah, like no, there is certain there there is a level of pretension that in the the fine dining world that is perfectly valid to make fun of, and I think they do it well in the menu. Um, I also think they do a good job of having characters that it doesn't feel like they're trying to make the characters feel like morally right in the movie. Yeah. Like, the characters seem kind of fallible, and it's not like, you know, it's not like what Ray Fiennes' character says is gospel, or that, like, everything yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy's character does is something that should be aspired to, even if she is kind of our perspective character. Yeah. And there are some yeah, I've seen a lot of mad people misunderstand this movie, but I think it's fun. Yeah, that is, like, yeah, that is probably, like, my thriller-esque kind of like if it just keeps the plot moving i'm fine with that because the plot just it got me so all right i've already said my number five three thousand years of longing so I'll, I'll take this time to quickly talk about avatar 2 i loved avatar 2 i thought it was great i loved the action i thought it came right at the right spots unlike someone here i guess 
Um, <laughs> no, I just, like, I was blown away by it. Like, I hadn't been that engrossed in, like, a movie's world in so long. The The kind of world building that James Cameron does in the Avatar movies, I think, is kind of unparalleled for anything coming out now. But maybe that's just me. Damn, Nick, <laughs> um, your, your pure joy for this movie is making me rethink. I'm, like, I'm no, I'm like Jason. Was this movie bad? I'm like Did Jason, I not like it? I'm like Jason where I'm like Avatar pilled, where I'm just like, I don't care that this is like kind of a generic piece of crap. It's It's just kind of like, interesting to me is like a world building exercise and like it's it's honestly better written than the first one i'll tell you that much oh, like for sure it's the dialogue yeah we we revisited that. i don't know it's an american isekai which i, don't, <laughs> I think is I, why i like, like it <laughs> i i get like if you like the world building but that's like what turned me off is it starts off and it's like now meet his there's, nine there's children and i'm yeah. like i don't want to meet his nine children i'm <laughs> i i i can name all five of those kids that's how deep i'm into this oh my god i uh, well, we all I, know and love spider listen he leaves the ometakaya clan to join the metakaina and um there uh <laughs> jake jake sully and and his wife natiri uh and their their children tuk uh kiri nateum <laughs> <laughs> Nick is definitely like, Look, what's, what's the last You're one saying? You're proving me wrong with like everything I say about how forgettable these characters are. And Nick is just like definitely on I've, all I've, the like NSFW avatar subreddits. And, uh, do, d shut up. <laughs> that is not what's happening here. Avatar experience, man. Uh, what's what's the last one's name? I'm forgetting. <laughs> I thought one of them had like a Spider. normal like... Uh, like, it's funny because like I I forget Mateum all the time. Loak Loak is the one that <laughs> I won't say any. No, wait. Everybody's seen this movie already. Loak is the one that survives. You can't even spoil the movie. I don't. <laughs> Everybody like I... this movie's made two billion dollars. It's not on you if you haven't seen this at this point. Yeah, uh, I really like the crab mechs. I I love when it bumps its little fists together. That just gave me a sheer amount of childish joy that I haven't felt out of like a single moment in a movie in a while. Um, I did like the movie overall. I know I did like the little you no know, Avatar cheer earlier, but um, no, I I did like it. I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. All right. We'll 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 leave it at that. I love James Cameron action, so it's it was gonna be here. My 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 only gripe was that it just felt like a three hour episode of a TV show. It's true. He's he's gearing up though. James Cameron has a plan. Three and four. James I Cameron has a plan. Bonkers. Just just know just know James Cameron has a plan. All right, number five. Where are we at? Okay, so my number five is my blockbuster action movie that I fell in love with. Ooh, Everyone's going. Oh, Top Gun is returned to Blockbuster. We know how to make Blockbusters now. Ooh, Avatar is fun if you just like the action. Well, if you just like the action Blockbuster, go see Bullet Train. Bullet Train is my motherfucking channel. Oh, shit. He pulling I, uh, out the Bullet Train card. The Bullet Train, man. I really loved almost everything about this movie. And if someone was like, eh, Bullet Train was kind of mid, I'd be like, that's fine. Like, that kind of is. But yeah. I just really liked brad pitt's character you know i love a puzzle of a movie so as soon as it starts in the first act and it's setting up all these characters with competing interests and things that are happening that you don't know how they're going to connect yet i'm just kind of nodding along i'm like with my notepad i'm like okay i'm following how's brad pitt gonna get through this 
and it's fun action. It's tongue in cheek. It's laugh out loud. The Thomas the Trank Engine plot hits Not every emotion. Train. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're just gonna see an action movie, see Bullet Train. I I wanted to like this more, but like I something Pretty about David hard. Leach's movies, like they're all starting to feel exactly the same to me, and that was my big problem with this. Like it's not yeah. bad, but I, I just feel I'll like say, I've seen this movie before. I feel like this is where he pulled it off. Like John Wick has good action, and it's like a pretty bad story. And mm. like Atomic Blonde has fun stylization and cinematography and fun action, but is pretty incomprehensible. But this movie, it's like, you know, the story, it pulls itself together. It actually has some amount of heart and like the action elements are there for me. But if you're kind of like, eh, this is another David Leach movie, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like this is his best one. That's I, fair enough. I definitely, That's fair I definitely enough. agree. I think like from a structural standpoint, the script was really good. Like all those competing interests and like the different characters, because they it was juggling a lot. I don't know if I necessarily like the dialogue, but just like from a like a plot perspective, I think yeah. yeah, it was kind of managing to juggle these points. I think the only thing I really didn't like plot wise was just the kind of I I know we had the the handler was kind of present throughout the thing but then that just like the whole thing at the end where it's like oh here she is there there she is in real life it's and sandra like, bullock everybody cheer everybody <laughs> cheer for sandra bullock okay yeah there's a funny ryan reynolds cameo too it's a little it's a little all over that, the place that one was fun that one was fun and channing tatum i like channing tatum's <laughs> most of all i think where was yeah, that's a good he was, part. He was like <laughs> he thinks he's offering like sex to channing tatum and channing tatum's like right here Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, re I remember that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rhett, what's your number five? Uh, mine is Prey. We already kind of talked about Prey. Right. That's probably my big action movie you see this year. Prey's uh, good. Prey's good. Prey's good. I love the, the tomahawk with the rope on it. Just love, <laughs> love, me, love, love me a movie about a Native American girl boss. Hell yeah. Not enough of those. In fact, I yeah. think there's only one of those, and it's called Prey. There might be more. But... Yeah, I want more movies with tomahawks with ropes on them. Yeah. I also think there's only one that's <laughs> called Prey. Anyway, more more native representation in cinema is all I'm saying. Yes, um, number four, Babylon. It's uh, three hours of uh, pure cinematic joy for some people. I guess if you're under the <laughs> age of 25, I, th I think that's the code I've cracked. I loved Babylon. I think it's a great, great movie about... The film industry, what happened to the film industry when sound took over, but also kind of what's happening now. And I think that's the more interesting kind of narrative to follow is how this kind of tracks contemporarily. It amazing music. One of the best soundtracks, the best soundtrack of the year, actually, hands down. Amazing cinematography. Damien Chazelle just knows what he's doing. And everybody's great in it. Like, I just, I it's really really good and i don't know what exactly is turning people off of this i think it's because it's like kind of gross at some points it's almost like too maximalist for some people because people, people fucking love triangle of sadness so the like the gross out factor can't i think it's just that like this movie shit is different than vomit though and starting your movie off with a man getting shit on by an elephant may may take some people back 
Maybe, but at least they bought a ticket for it, because I doubt that wasn't like spoiled in the trailer for anyone. So unless you were like, let me look up a plot summary for Babylon and just know the entire. This is the first I'm hearing it. of the elephant shitting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, um, but yeah, Babylon was actually my number one for Damn. this year. Damn. Damn. Um, all right. So talk a little about Babylon. I fucking love Babylon. I think I love it for all the reasons you've been talking about, especially how well it tracks um, contemporarily. I just I gave a shit about all of the characters. I felt compelled by all the narratives it did. I loved the cinematography and the blocking, how it all just... it. You can see what Chazelle learned from La La Land in terms of, like, you know, directing big musical numbers in terms of choreography and cinematography. And just the fact that it, it isn't necessarily dancing. I mean, there are obviously a lot of people dancing, but the way the camera, like, moves through crowds and navigates these, like, orgiastic set pieces, it's just it's just mind-boggling how, how well they do it. And, like, I just love the whole message where, like, kind of like I was talking about earlier, where it felt like a call to arms for film to just be interesting. That, like, why, if you're, if you're paying money... If you're spending more more importantly if you're spending a hundred million dollars or more yeah. or more in in most big big movie cases why aren't you more interesting yeah like why are you just trying to be the lowest common denominator? and obviously i get like from a logistical reason it's like well you have to get the most amount of butts and seats and if people you know, but, once uh, you get yada, more yada, yada. interesting, yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. This movie's fucking great. Um, the actors in it are great. The soundtrack is a fucking banger just all the time. It has this relentless momentum that's really primarily driven by the main theme, which I think is called like Voodoo Mama or something like that. All the it's Voodoo great. Mama and Coke Room are the the main two. Yeah, and it's just it is constantly moving. It is a whirlwind, a cinematic whirlwind, unlike the likes of which I don't think I've experienced in many other movies, if any. Yeah. Just a just a great movie. Reese, did we get your four? Yeah, we're on four. Uh, my mind was Northman. We already talked about ah, it. Really good. Go. I like the magical realism. Keep it up, Roger Eggers. My number four, because that was Babylon was my number one. My ah. number four is uh, Fablemans. Ah, that's, uh, that's my number one. I, I can see that. I can see I that. I forgot to like, add that to my list. That's a good movie. Yeah. I'm just like I'm a I'm a one, I'm a Spielberg guy. No, I can I can talk Fablemans right now. We're, we've already passed the hour mark. We're just going now. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Fablemans was just like it was like cathartic for me as a Spielberg fan to just like step inside his mind for a little bit and be like, hey, this is this is me. This is how I grew up and came to be. Ain't yeah. that ain't that grand and interesting? And also, we're shooting this in like beautiful, beautiful like. It's just great. It's it's just like a Spielberg slice of life, and yeah. I I couldn't have asked for anything better than all of than the that. him making oh, little well, you, films with his friends yeah. is you can't help but love it. No, yeah. it's so it, there. There's something so genuine about it in a way that I think only Spielberg can be, and especially like I don't know what they filmed it on or how they like graded the color or filtered it or whatever. But it just yeah, it looks fantastic. Oh, and, so uh, good, Nick. There is something more than better that you can ask for than a Spielberg slice of life, and that's a Spielberg slice of life that ends with a David Lynch cameo. That's true. That's true. Yeah. The greatest. I I want to say little about that but i love the fact that it exists and it's in there because like 
I just want people to like if they haven't seen this, and I know a lot of people didn't go out and see this, but like that cameo is so good for it's... for people who like give a shit about cinema, especially people who give a shit about Lynch. Just seeing that happen is just like yeah. pure I had it joy. spoiled, and it's still like yeah, total surprise. Still, totally works. Yeah. Oh my god. I. There's another moment just, also where just a just a young little Babelman Spielberg is watching one of his films, and he's just going. He's like looking how there isn't muzzle flashes, and he's like, "It's not real. It's not <laughs> real." And I just relate so hard. Anytime you make something and it doesn't look just right, you're just like, it's not real. <laughs> like that <laughs> frustrated artist voice. Yeah. It's so good. It's the, the same thing you feel when watching low-budget B-movies on Tubi. Uh, <laughs> um, but just like it's just like a chef's kiss. It's just like, I feel like Spielberg personally gave me a little kiss on the cheek when I saw The Fablemans. <laughs> That was that was I I only had two five out of fives this this year and the the one was the Heike story and this was like kind of an honorary like five out of five it's like if I were being an asshole like I could probably get this down to a four point five out of five but especially with the Lynch cameo on top of all things and the fact that this is just kind of like a big moment for Spielberg to just kind of like take a bow I'm just like I'll give it a five out of five I'm not gonna hate on this yeah real quick I gotta ask what do you guys think of Paul Dana. I I loved him. I I love that like his two roles this year were like evil nerdy guy and like <laughs> just dorky nerdy guy. <laughs> I, I I don't yeah he was good. I don't think he particularly stuck out to me in this one. Really, I was more. I thought, with I the, thought it was really good. I thought he was good. I don't know. I think I, the, just, the two like, leads, to, like... uh, him and Michelle Williams, I think were both just great as uh, his parents. Yeah, I remember really liking it in the in the theater. I'm just like struggling to pull from my memory like what stuck out. He like pulls his pants up a bunch and stuff. Yeah. I I the only criticism I have of the Fablemans is that I wish there was more Paul Dana with Monkey. I think there could have been some really good Dana Monkey shenanigans and we didn't get much. Yeah, that's probably my why I didn't make my top 10. <laughs> All right, boys. That was our f- number 4s. Four. Three, yeah, what's your three, Nick? Three, three will all definitely have to talk about. It may be your number one, Reese. Uh, the Banshees of Inisherin. Yep. Um, yeah, that's my one. It's kind of like the Fablemans, where it's just like a very like comfortable movie. Like it until it's not. Uh, yeah, until it's not. But it's it's just like a very comfortable like. You feel intimate... like you live on that island. It's, it's totally yeah, transportive. Yeah. yeah. No, like totally for the first hour of the movie, I'm like, I want to fucking live here. Like this seems so cozy. All of the stuff going on in the background too, about how like Irish independence is kind of going on, and like the whole the whole story between the two of them. How how what is it? Colm and and Padrick. Colm <laughs> Colm's yeah. kind of struggle with his own mediocrity. And blaming that on his friend and it's and just that a whole good kind of story of observation of breaking life. up. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I felt like, and maybe this is an aspect that was intentional, but I totally get if people like didn't necessarily interpret it this way. But I thought it was like a little bit romantic, and especially given the time for like that environment of Ireland, I also think like that makes it makes sense as to why. Um, I can't remember who's who is whose, but. The guy who was cutting off his fingers, like, why he, like, cares so much. Like, he's using the that as, like, an excuse to not say, hey, I know you're in love with me, 
please go away mm. so that mm. neither of us are abused for being gay. I'm not, or... I didn't or really like, read it that way. Yeah, I more saw it as him, like, I, I think uh, that's confronting the way his own mediocrity. And I, There's yeah. definitely that element there, because it's like, anytime you do a story between two friends, it's like, base, you know, it's a relationship. It's kind of, it is very much like a breakup movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or a romantic movie, you know. I just think um, that added, like, that made the the one character and why he would be willing to go through such lengths to, like, end this friendship, like, make a little bit more sense. But I totally get if people don't interpret it that way and if that's not how it was meant but to be. But it does have to do with, like, masculinity and how they had to act at the time. And, yeah, you know, there's this scene where he's getting the confession with the priest and the priest goes, like, you know, you still have the depression he's like i'm working on it and he's like are you gonna do anything about it he's like i'm not gonna do anything about it but he's like he's already cut his <laughs> fingers off you know there's just like a lot of the dialogue's really hypnotic really funny um just the whole way it starts with are you ruined doesn't sound like you're ruined you know all that stuff it it, it really uh gets you into the pattern of it it's, oh, yeah, it's definitely sure. the single most irish movie i've ever seen yeah and yeah like, i like was walking know, around being like specking yeah, <laughs> even without the like potential romantic aspect to it, it's it's just this like very subtle tragedy that like has you on the edge of tears for like if not on actual tears for a while. Yeah, Colin Farrell, given the performance of his life, yeah. I mean, it will just the movie has really good cinematography and it saves its close-ups, but there will just be like a shot of his eyes as he thinks something for like two three seconds, and you're like devastated. Like you just see all the thoughts behind his eyes. It's incredible. Yeah. That that one scene where he goes and like tries to have like a genuine conversation with mm -hmm. with Pedrick, like, oh my god. And yeah, a nice nice ending. Like a lot to chew on. I, I saw this movie twice and I felt like I got more out of it the second time and I still feel like there's things I need to figure out, you know. This movie kind of feels like a puzzle of, you know, why do people act the way they are? Yeah. And it's really impressive. It can tell a story that helps you understand oh, how political Barry, and Barry global Keoghan's conflict can happen on oh a human level. I loved Barry Keoghan's character. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, the, the guy who tries to pursue the, uh, his sister, Pedrick's oh, sister. Oh, yeah, that fucking dude. Yeah. He finds the stick for hooking things. <laughs> well, there goes that dream. Yeah, another great weird little creep there, there to, add so, to his there performance. Was, the the four the four of them, Carrie Carrie Condon, I think is her name. Brandon Gleason, Colin Farrell, and Barry Keoghan. Yeah, the, the four of them were just so good. Oh, I so think good. she's definitely snubbed for an Oscar this year because Colin Firth, you know, he kills it, but they all hold their own. They're all oh, just yeah, as good. Sure. This is a tough year. I mean, I feel like Brandon's just gonna win. <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's just going to be given like to Colin him, is... but like like everybody, there were so many good performances this year. Oh, uh, all right, speaking boys. Speaking of Brendan, that was, that's my number three. There you go. The Whale. I saw it today, preparation of trying to see all the good movies before this podcast. <laughs> and like, I am not one to cry in movies, and I cried. Yeah. I was tearing up a little bit, and I don't like melodramas, and I liked it. And Brendan is just very good very real like the prosthetics are believable i wasn't thinking about it for a second oh yeah and really good cinematography like the way the story is told is 
very engaging. Um, as soon as the movie started, I was like, oh, is this the aspect ratio? Oh, is this how it looks? Like, oh, thank God. Like, I was just like, mm -hmm. I hope it looks like this the rest of the movie. And, you know, it looks just like just as good the whole movie. How do, um, I know you don't love Darren Aronofsky, uh, particularly Mother. How, uh, I, I, I think this is really good. Like, I didn't really, I didn't like Mother either, but. I don't like when movies just try to disturb you. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was pretty sincere. Yeah. You know, it walked a very fine line between it's like you, you got, you're touching on a subject that can very easily just put you into the, the realm of just like kind of otherizing this person and, you mm -hmm. know, making them seem gross and stuff like that. And I, I, they, they managed to like just toe the line enough to where it's like, yeah, you kind of should be disgusted by his behavior because it's unhealthy and it's not like, fat shaming him or anything it's like this he literally does not have like a healthy coping coping mechanism for reality and i mm -hmm. thought that was re reflected really well in the sound design like the sound design on the chewing just like meant to make you feel like oh yeah this movie like it turns into a horror movie at times with the sound design <laughs> mm -hmm. um and i saw this today and one of the only persons in the theater was an old lady sitting next to me and like i helped her figure out how to do the reclining seat mm-hmm and I, I'm like, I don't know if she's going to like this movie. But then she was, like, laughing appropriately, like, throughout it. And then I heard her crying. And then there's, like, a part where she said Jesus Christ the same time I said holy shit. And, like, and then she, like, turned to me halfway through the movie. She's like, do you really think he's sleeping? And I'm, like, trying to talk with her in the movie, but, like, be quiet for other people. And then, like, afterwards, she's like, and what did you think about this line? She's, like, dissecting it with me. It was, like, That's an AMC fun. commercial, but I had a good theater <laughs> so experience nice. seeing this. Yeah, That's I'm happy awesome. to... I'm happy to under usher in the the Brenda Sons, but also like Sadie yep. Singh, Kong Chow, like they were they were both fantastic yep. as well. Yep. I um, not to forget Ty Simpkins, back from the dead from being a child actor, made it out. He was doing all right, you know. I I wasn't. I wasn't... What was he from? He's uh he's the little kid from Insidious and Jurassic World. Oh okay okay. And yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, Man's Stranger <laughs> Things girl, good. All right, number three is Banshee, uh, The Whale. Rhett, what about you? Number three is Everything Everywhere for me. I see. All right, it's time to talk about Everything Everywhere all at once. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I had a really good time with it. I thought it was, a, like, a lot of fun. I thought it had stuff to say. I know that it, like, has particularly hit, like, people I'm close to in terms of, like, kind of hitting on that kind of, you know immigrant slash multi multi-generational family like experience kind of thing um so it does feel very relevant and topical maybe not necessarily in ways that i directly relate to but i you know because i know that this is like kind of an experience that people have that it feels particularly heartfelt and for the amount of people who are talking about that movie for how interesting it is like that is the most interesting and stylistic movie that that many people have seen and are talking about than like anything else i can i can think of because no one kind of compared it to scott pilgrim back in yeah. the day yeah i think this is i i will stand by that i think this is this like decades scott pilgrim like baby's first stylized movie kind of thing where it's like maybe it won't get people into the actual like art house scene you know at least at least they're i think they're looking something, at something of this style is long overdue yeah 
Also, way better multiverse movie than Multiverse of Madness. Fuck you. I am I am very interested to see where the Daniels go from here, especially if they win a bunch of Oscars. Yeah. Because I don't think they're meant for the kinds of movies that like Oscar winners get attached to. They're very much their own thing, and I'm I am curious what their their power in Hollywood will now be after I mean, I uh, still... the massive success of this movie. I still think they're very conscious of it because, like, I, I've been seeing, I think, like, posts from their, like, social media accounts, if not the Daniels social media accounts and, like, the, you know, Everything Everywhere accounts about, like, oh, this movie's been nominated for this many Oscars and we have, you know, butt plugs and, you know, hot dog fingers. Yeah, in they, it, they lean know. into the weirdness of it. Yeah, my only complaint was, honestly, that I felt like the ending could have been weirder. Like, you had... Like, my favorite part of that movie was when they introduced, I, I can't remember what the name was, but, you know, the daughter's, like, chaos demon persona, and, like, that was probably one of the best, like, incarnations of, like, chaos, just as, like, the concept of chaos, and not, like, oh my god, chaos is everything being out of order, it's something, no, chaos is something that literally doesn't make sense, but, like, I thought that intro for her was so strong, and then to kind of end in a very, like, I know it's the down-to-earth moment that makes it feel kind of wholehearted, but the, yeah, the climax, the final act just felt, like, a little bit too, like, let's bring everything from what we've already been doing together rather than kind of creating a new sort of direction, I guess. Yeah, I liked the movie. I thought it was fun. I think it's really funny, and it has a lot of fun. You know, I think a time travel multiverse thing like that is is uh, overdue, and I like I think the first act stuff's the strongest. Um, hmm. But the gripe I have is like the maximalist editing towards the end where it's really melodramatic and the music, it, it feels like a commercial to me. And it's like supposed to be telling me I'm supposed to be having an epiphany and being really sad. And it's like, I don't like I see this type of editing on TikTok like this doesn't, you know, like it just. <laughs> It just kind of bounced off me. I don't know. Yeah, um, this one definitely fit like a little bit into like the core core TikTok movement kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, aren't you feeling everything right now? It's like, no, I'm feeling nothing right now. Like, I, I honestly, I the movie didn't work for me until like the third act started. Like, I didn't feel emotions mm. until like the third act. I felt so. It was just hard for me to get super invested in this. It was. I still really liked it. It's just didn't become my favorite thing ever like apparently yeah. everybody else um, yeah i'm kind of in that camp again like i think it, it's more about the audience reach of this and i'm i'm glad that they're getting excited about this rather than a marvel movie like yeah that, give me this any day yeah i yeah take this any other day over a marvel movie also shout out to kihu kwan boy i'm probably mispronouncing that but. i think it's it might be k k hu kwan I know it's Hugh Kwan, but I it's I, th I want to say it's K, pronounced. Okay. Yeah, impossible not to like. He's super he's super great on screen. No, he's, he's great. Um, super great. Um, Michelle so Yeoh is great back. too. I just thought that like she was having trouble kind of, or maybe not her, but the character felt like a little bit repetitive in the early parts. But then once they started getting into like the emotion of the thing, like she was handling that perfectly. Jamie Lee um, Curtis getting an Oscar nom for wearing a sweater and a wig. Uh, yeah, not, not sure what that's about. Also, uh, <laughs> to Banshees, what the hell? <laughs> shout, out, shout out to uh, James Hong, the goat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> James Hong, man. How old is he? He's, he's so... 
He's, he's, he's such a legend, man. He's just going. No, he is. He's one of, I mean, he is, like, literally one of the most prolific Asian-American actors, you know, of all time. Shout and out James Hong, man. Shout out James Hong. Such a, such a cool dude. He was oh, in man. Wendell and Wild, too, this year, which was a little weird. <laughs> oh, I missed that. I've been meaning oh, to watch he was, that. He was also in Turning Red, but I didn't see Turning Red. It's pretty Wendell and Wild, if you ask me. All right, he we was actually, to... we were to, real quick, Nick and I were supposed to see him at a screening of Big Trouble in Little China at the, um, what was it, the Academy Museum? Yeah, but, like, so the Academy Museum's next to, like, the LACMA, L.A. Museum of Contemporary Art or something, and they were having, like, a gala that same night, and so you couldn't park in the main parking, so we were just like, all right, I guess we're not seeing James Hong, then. Oh, brutal. Yeah, no, that was this sucked. All right, anyway, <laughs> time to wash a bad memory out of out of my brain. Number two, After Sun. Same. Yeah, man, After Sun. What a Aftersun. what a beautiful movie. Just a a great kind of exercise in memory and unpacking your parents and who they memory, are. Memory, empathy, just like human connection and experience. Like it didn't. It was kind of refreshing, not like dissing on, you know, political politics and movies. I love politics and movies, but it was very refreshing to have this kind of character study that felt very free from like contemporary talking points. And it just felt kind of felt like a genuine exploration of like some characters experience with the world. Yeah. Can you give me like a little, I haven't seen it. I know nothing about it. Can you give me a little like nugget of I don't want to get me? Okay. Just it's, see it. It's about a father and daughter. I'll tell you okay. that much. Okay, that's all I needed. It's a um, it's a very intimate portrait of a father and daughter, and that's that's why I like it. That's the only reason why I say I like it, because a lot of that movie is just kind of experiencing those emotions that all of this it, brings out. The filmmaking, the I'm I'm also going to say I I think that uh, people should not be allowed to use um under pressure in their movies after this one. You're not gonna beat it. Just don't even try. <laughs> it's like California dreaming. It's just gone. You can't use yeah. it anymore. It's not <sighs> like you can't. It's just why would you? But I know that people are going to. So. So Reese, Reese, what's your what's your number two? Uh, my number two is a film based off real life musical composer Linda Tarr. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We already talked about Tarr. Wait, was it based off of real life? I thought. No, it's not. I no, wish. No. I wish it was. <laughs> Lydia Tarr is not a real person. God. All right. Well. My number one I said was Fablemans. Have we already said all our number ones now? <laughs> no, we have. We have. Yeah, my That was maybe the downfall of this structure, but we we already did it, so. Nah, it's, it's good we're in consensus, then. It's pretty it's good. All we all right. uh, I, You know, I just want to take this moment, then, because I didn't do TV at the beginning. I just want to say Better Call Saul. The series finale was phenomenal. I think the ending's better than Breaking Bad. I think he did it. Vince Gilligan did it. And Better Call Saul's like my favorite show freaking ever. So, you know, if you're worried about Better Call Saul, it has a good ending. That's all I'll say. Final season, every episode's a banger. Cheers to that. I'll, I'll throw a TV wreck out there. Uh, if you skipped out on Andor, you skipped the best Star Wars show, actually. Because it's like... I like they they made a show instead of like a like a Star Wars thing they made like a like an actual show huh, so weird. like that that should tell you enough about what's going on over there <laughs> Rhett, Watch it Rhett. be changed oh man that's all I'm going to say There you go no more a ret message than that all right 
We made it to an hour and a half, so uh, we definitely gotta end this thing. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Thank um, you, Nick. Glad to be I here. I love Media Monsters. I'm number one fan. I love Media Monsters. <laughs> I love Media Monsters. Uh, I'm excited to get the podcast back up and running. So um, see you guys next week. Chainsaw Cast. Chainsaw Cast. Oh my god.